Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I'm Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, brother, this has been a really good two weeks of recording. Uh, of course, by the time folks hear this podcast, that will be a couple weeks uh, having already pre-recorded these. But this is our second podcast face-to-face, and uh, we're in a very unique place right at this moment recording. Where are we? We are in the pastoral offices at Grace Community Church. This is day three, and um, actually the evening session is about to start, which is the final session with John MacArthur, and we have enjoyed uh, three days of the Shepherds Conference, uh, a lot of good teaching, a lot of good fellowship, and a, a lot of Twitter storms uh, erupting over the Julie Roy's article. And as we have been here at the Shepherds Conference, one of the things that has struck out to me, independent of what's been said out in the world and what's been said in these articles, is just the ongoing faithfulness of John MacArthur in his 50 plus, and I think it's officially 53 years, 53 uh, years, 53 years of ministry and, and his faithfulness uh, to the world. And, and that's really what has stood out to me. Yeah, and that's what this episode is about. Why, why do we need uh, men like John MacArthur? And specifically, you know, talking about uh, John MacArthur just to uh, talk about, yeah, his faithfulness and um, why men like him are important. And uh, so I'm reminded of a passage in 1 Corinthians 16, which was the topic of one of the speakers uh, this, this week as well. But it says, Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And I, I can't think of a better uh, passage in, at the moment that would adequately describe John MacArthur and men like John MacArthur. John MacArthur is a man's man. Yeah, and I've uh, to give you a little bit of history, I, I was actually saved at Grace Community Church um, and uh, so I, I've seen up front uh, just what his ministry has meant. Um, I was saved here back in 2007. I attended seminary and graduated. At, really, my final class was the end of 2016 and remained here at Grace Church until being called to my current church, uh, really midway through 2019. So I have observed his ministry from up close and have had numerous interactions with him and just a wonderful, uh, gracious man of God, but also one who is uncompromising with the truth and, and bold in proclaiming it, as we all should be. Yeah, and I think, it, you know, I, I had the privilege of uh, attending some master's classes online, and, and of course, I've, I've only got to meet Dr. MacArthur once, but that, that conversation was a really good conversation. And, you know, in the, uh, the few minutes I got to speak with him, let me just tell you that that, that was one of the most humble gentle uh, men I've ever met you know and you could tell that it wasn't a show because it's it's kind of what you see from him all the time right whether he's on the stage preaching uh, or he's meeting folks walking around the campus or he's meeting folks right after uh, you know he's he's preached or taught somewhere but specifically you know what I want to talk about is uh, the example for men 
that we see in uh, John MacArthur and, and guys like him. And there's, a, there's another generation below uh, John MacArthur. Uh, you think of your Vody Bauckham's, it just, right. it, you know, your Owen Strands. Did I say his name right? Yeah, Owen Strands. Um, yeah. yeah, he can correct me once he comes on the podcast. Uh, but anyway, um, it, you know, you think of guys like this, your Paul Washers and Tom Bucks and Tom Askells, all these faithful, faithful guys. Uh, but I don't think anyone has um, with the platform John MacArthur has uh, is is and has been as faithful as he has just year after year after year after year and so you know if any young man were to come to me and say well where where's a modern day example of of a real man right someone who's not been feminized someone who's not compromised someone who's um, put his hand to the plow and he's not looked back certainly one of the first men that would come out of my mouth is John MacArthur yeah, and, and when we have to be careful uh, about trying to be the next John MacArthur because, quite honestly, there will be, never be another John MacArthur, just as there will never, no, never be another R.C. Sproul. And for some who are hearing this, they might be thinking, well, you're idolizing men, you're um, lifting them up uh, beyond, uh, you know, uh, instead of lifting up Christ. And what I would remind you is that Paul even said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Exactly. And so some of these great men of God, and, and I, when I think of John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul and people like James Montgomery Boyce, um, the, these were highly influential men who stood upon the truth and, and were bold in proclaiming it and defending it. And so we want to imitate them. And, and really, their length of ministry speaks volumes. You know, we see a lot of stories of people that have been around just for a few years. They're fashionable uh, and uh, they then they flame out. They disqualify themselves, uh, whatever have you. But what we see in some of these men that have been around for decades all the way till the Lord calls them uh, has been exactly that. It's been ongoing faithfulness no matter what the attacks are from the outside. And we have to remember too that faithful men of God are going to be the target of Satan and and the, and the uh, dominion of darkness. Um, they're going to um, come after them. And just as Ephesians 6 says that, you know, you put on the armor of God so you can protect yourself against the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so we do expect that they will be attacked. They'll be under attack. But what we see in those decades and decades of faithfulness um, is exactly that. They, they have remained faithful to the word. And even in up close encounters. Um, I've never met anyone who has met John MacArthur in person who didn't come away um, just impressed at, at how gracious and, and kind he has been. And, and even when I think about, about the example of Paul Washer, right? So Paul Washer, um, he's obviously not what he once was in terms of his strength, um, but, but this is a man that uh, time and time again, when he's been here at Grace Church, he's willing to go the extra mile to meet with people and to pray with people, um, even when he's not feeling his best. And, and so th those are examples that we want to look up to, we want to lift up in the sense that we see them imitating our Lord Jesus Christ. And we also want to commend them to younger preachers as people that it's far better to imitate their example than to imitate maybe some younger examples that you really don't know um, how faithful they are, what their walk is like, um, or if there are accusations that come up down the road that will derail them. Yeah, and and you know, let me just share something about you. I, I you know, I saw Paul Washer day. He uh, gave one of the the breakout sessions or whatever. And you know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I think it just demonstrates his love, genuine love for the body of Christ. I mean, he'll tell you, right? He's been a missionary uh, in in South America, and he's you know, his body's just broken. He said these kind of things publicly, right? But I, you know, today I I, I sat back and I watched him um, meet with person after person. 
person, pray with person after person, just genuine, humble, real. And, and the whole time, it, you know, he's kind of, kind of holding, holding his back area noticeably in, in a great deal of pain. And, and he suffered through that. Um, to, to not turn people away, just to talk and to pray with people um, and, and, until someone come, came and got him, right, and basically said, look, you, you need to take, take a break. Um, and, and even then, after that first time, he still probably spoke with another 10, 15 people, and, yeah. uh, and he, he probably wouldn't appreciate me sharing that, but since I don't know him personally, it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but the point is, when you see things like that, you see a genuineness yeah. um, and, and a love for the body of Christ. I mean, these are men who uh, you, you made a good point and 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 to to one of your your two points earlier um, it, you know we we bring these men out not to worship them and to and to be quite frank anyone who is accusing of that is uh, of us accusing us of that is just disingenuous anyway mm-hmm. um, but because you know the apostle the apostle Paul as you said you know told the people follow me as I follow Christ he was a living example for living people well who do we have today as living examples as living right, people right. well it, the John MacArthur's and the and the Vody Bacham's and the Paul Washer's and so we're not saying anything that hasn't been said in Scripture already um, and and I think you know the second thing we look at Scripture and we see that this this concept of giving honor to whom honor is due and faithful men deserve a right respect not an elevation to, to some kind of Godhood right we're not talking about that but just a respect that says wow look at their faithfulness and and what God has done in them and through them and when we when we honor and respect these men it ought to cause us to glorify God because he's the one who's kept them and I have no doubt uh, that they would say that and they have said that themselves yeah, and even here at Shepherd's Conference, we see the fruit of John MacArthur's 50-plus years. There were, I believe the number was close to 850 volunteers here. And I know certain years, we've had close to 1,000 volunteers. And a waiting list for the volunteers. Right, va- waiting list for volunteers. So we've had a lot of people uh, volunteering here. And these are people that just love the body. They want to serve other pastors who come and uh, seek to attend this conference. And and so they just they just love the, the body of Christ and, and and so they serve out of, out of their heart, and, and it's really just the fruit of, of John MacArthur's many years uh, of preaching ministry um, to them. So we see that, and you can't, you can't fake authentic Christianity, um, not over a long haul. Um, you know, the longer you're in ministry, the more you're going to be exposed if you're, if you're doing something fake. And, yeah, and yeah. so I believe that his example has been exemplary to us. Uh, we observe it. We see the fruits of it. And when people come here, and especially every year at Shepherd's Conference, there are many, many people who are here for the very first time. And I've heard it time and time again, multiple times from elders and pastors from other places. They come here. They see the hospitality from the workers here. And what they come away with is, wow. John MacArthur's hard preaching produces soft hearts. And he actually said that yeah, um, yeah. in one of the uh, sessions, I believe the opening session or the Q&A, he, he mentioned that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you know if you if you've been confused and you're and you're listening because this podcast is kind of on the heels of like you said a, a, a social media storm. Uh, it, maybe let's just talk a little bit about what we've seen uh, amongst the thousands of of godly men here. So rather than get get your news from some you know angry feminist pseudo journalist who has an axe to grind, uh, may, maybe listen to a few of our own experiences. Um, and I'll, I'll share a little bit, and, and you can share a little bit. Now, interestingly enough, this is actually my first time physically attending uh, the Shepherds Conference. You know, usually I've watched online, but but when I look around, I mean, this is what I've seen so far. Uh, I have seen thousands of men who uh, you walk around the campus and they're talking, hands are on shoulders, they're praying for one another, um, it, you know, they're in the bookstore looking for materials to better serve the the flock of God that is among them. I mean, this is what has been produced yeah. by John MacArthur and his ministry. Thousands of men who, when they start the sessions, are singing at the top of their lungs, uh, glorifying and praising God. Yeah. I mean, you want to hear something um, amazing. Listen to a couple thousand pastors in an auditorium praising God uh, at the same time at the top of their lungs. And then when they get done with the session, they're going out and we're, they're praying for one another and encouraging one another. Uh, if you want to know the, the fruit of, of Dr. MacArthur's ministry, well, that's the fruit. Yeah, and I, I've heard uh, from someone close to John that um, he was he was talking to John recently. It may have been Phil Johnson who mentioned this. Um, talked to uh, John about just you know some of the disappointments with uh, ministry partners who have um, not persevered along with John or have taken uh, positions that are opposed to John. And when that was brought up, uh, John downplayed that. Uh, he, he doesn't make a big deal out of that, and instead. His focus was really on just how excited he is to see the TMS graduates, those who have been trained at the seminary, go out and have fruitful ministries at the churches that they go to. And and that really is, and I know this from being here for a while before I was called to my current church, uh, his greatest delight is in investing in the next generation of pastors and wanting to be sure that they are proclaiming the Word of God accurately and faithfully. And I remember uh, the story from Paul Washer. I think Paul Washer was, I, I believe, he was talking to Todd Friel and he was sharing his very first impression of John MacArthur. He was in a room with seminary students and John came in and he said, men, you're here for two reasons. Um, one, that's to learn the word and that's to preach the word. That's it. And uh, Paul Washer said that with with a, with a lot of admiration in hearing that because it really boils it down to those who, who minister. And, and John's heart has been with, with those who are being sent out, wanting to know that the, the word is being preserved, the truth is being preserved, um, that it's being guarded so that we are, it's the Second Timothy 2-2 model, that what we have learned uh, from those who have mentored us, we want to teach others so that they may teach others. And in that one verse, you got four generations uh, of faithfulness. So you see a lot of examples of that. And even overseas, you know, we've seen the uh, international conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Um, but I've also been to Ukraine, and I know that they've had seminaries that have produced um, over a thousand graduates of uh, people that have traveled all over Ukraine and, and maybe even outside Ukraine to start churches and, and to pastor churches. And, and that all stems from the ministry here that started at the Master Seminary, which really began because John MacArthur wanted to start something new because he saw that the institutions he once uh, trusted 
were starting to go off the rails. And so he wanted to remain faithful and make sure that men were taught faithfully so that they may be able to minister faithfully. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it was said here at the conference that uh, 88 countries were represented, if I remember, or something close to that. And even just myself, uh, you, you know, I'm w- with a group of guys and uh, there, there's a gentleman, a pastor from India in the group. There's a pastor from Uganda in the group. Uh, there, there's a, a gentleman from Hawaii in the group. Uh, and then I think the rest of the guys are from Texas, um, the great free. <laughs> the Republic of the, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, another, another free state. But um, it, but you, you just look at that. And as I've had a bit of time with these guys, the things that I've been hearing from them is that over the years, uh, the, the material that's come from Grace Community Church and the Master Seminary has been what has helped sharpen them and shape their theology and effectively help has helped their people, helped shape their people. And, and again, just to point back to real tangible fruit, rather uh, rather than just mud someone's throwing on the wall with facts that aren't even real facts most of the time. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know, we we live in a in a, in a very quick two hundred and eighty count you know social media wor- world, and uh, people throw up stuff all over the place, and the tendency is to you know. <gasps> Wow, that's so terrible. Yeah. Okay, well, just calm down a little bit, right? Don't believe everything you hear. Uh, let, let, let's just look at the fruit. It's not like we don't have a lot of fruit to look at with guys like John MacArthur. I mean, right. he's right. been here for 53 years, for yeah. crying out loud. Yeah. Um, it, there's the Master's University, uh, which is an education centered around a biblical worldview. That's pretty good fruit. There's the Master's Seminary. There's, uh, you know, the TMIA, uh, the International School that they do. Right. Um, I, I mean, you could just, there's ministry after ministry after ministry. We could do a whole episode probably just uh, l- l- naming all the ministries that right. come out of the church here. Right. And, that's, and that is nothing to say of just Grace Community Church. If you look at the ministries that the people here are involved in, um, Grace Community Church has produced a gospel-loving people. I mean, there are all kinds of ministries that have been started at Grace Community Church from people who have basically come and said, look, we really have a heart to do this, and the elders have empowered them and equipped them and sent them out to do those things. And so there's all kinds of community feeding projects and service projects and all gospel-centered with the primary focus of not just meeting physical needs, but meeting the need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the fruit that's come from this ministry. Yeah, and we even see it. What's come to mind is children's ministry. So there's a series of books called Generations of Grace uh, that is meant for kids to be able to lead them through the big picture of the Bible from cover to cover. And the idea is that kids that grow up here at Grace Community Church, and, and you can get the books, it's called Generations of Grace and, and implemented at your church. But the idea is that your kids, as they're growing from um, a young age all the way to the point of, um, I believe, getting to the junior high or high school levels, if you faithfully follow this curriculum, they would have been exposed to the teaching of all the Bible from cover to cover, essentially, three times. Wow. Um, so by the time they even get to that age of high school or college, um, they have a at least a solid foundation of being just exposed to the Word of God over and over again. And more recently, there's been Adventure Club. 
Um, there, there's a series of theological books written for kids, and they implemented here at Grace Church First. And, and that's the, the great thing, you know, when they create these materials, these are materials that they use here at this church first, and then they send it out and share it uh, with others to, to be able to benefit from as well. But the Adventure Club, uh, this is the kind of material that you can work with your kids. It can be on a Wednesday night or, or whenever have you um, to expose them to just solid theology uh, from the Bible in addition to the Generations of Grace, which is a kind of a Sunday morning curriculum. Uh, and, and they're wonderful resources. And I've heard so many people look at that and say, you know what, there, there just isn't any other place we can get this kind of resources that treats kids as really being the sponge of knowledge that they really are to, to be able to teach them and to sow those seeds for future salvation and repentance. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting you mentioned the kids. And I don't know much about the program. But, you know, I seem to remember uh, Dr. MacArthur dressing up like a postman. That's right. And, and being a part of it. It's a children's ministry here, that's some right. Ranger Joe or something like that. Yeah, Ranger uh, Joe, that's uh, Pastor Tom Patton here. And, uh, and then every once in a while he has, as a guest, John MacArthur on as, I guess he's playing the, the role of a postman. And in that, um, those series of videos, they, they were, I believe they were accelerating those videos during the COVID shutdown to make sure that, um, you know, there was videos that they could use to kind of minister to the kids. And, and they made it available for all churches to be able to, uh, yeah. to be able to access as well. Yeah. And, you know, you know, a little bit about, you kind of shared a uh, a little of your history here. Well, I actually have history with uh, John MacArthur myself. Um, I, I used to preach against John MacArthur at one stage, mm. and uh, and I actually got to have a conversation with him personally about that. But and, and this is very interesting. It was John MacArthur's ministry that really helped um, me come to some solid doctrinal foundations as I was coming out of the Charismatic Church, yeah. um, and and that that was the conversation I got to ha- to have with him about that and. Uh, you, you know, in God's providence, I ended up taking some online classes here and things like that. And 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 let me tell you, I look back on that, um, and and I can't express the the value. Uh, in my own life and now in in the life of the people who I'm shepherding um, because of uh, Dr. MacArthur's stance on the necessity for sound doctrine, which of course brings us to Timothy, right? Second Timothy. Right. I, I mean, if, if anyone's taken that to heart, uh, and there are a lot of men certainly have, and Dr. MacArthur is one of those men, right? Um, over and over, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy to guard his doctrine, not just for himself, but also for the people he's shepherding, right? Uh, over and over, we ta- we see the emphasis on sound doctrine, and that and that's really what has been the fruit of this ministry. And so, it's interesting because <clears throat> from time to time. This is what happens uh, in, in, in ministries like this. And you mentioned that faithful ministers are going to be attacked. Now, I think it's important we say that just because you're attacked doesn't mean you're doesn't faithful. Mean you're faithful, faithful right. Um, right, because heretics also get attacked and That's they're not right. faithful. Right. But when you look at the fruit of this ministry, um, you, you, you just can't come to any other honest conclusion. But this is what happens. Uh, just imagine going to your own home church one day and, and you, uh, you you pull up in your church building and, and all the cars are starting to pull in and the people are starting to come for the Sunday morning service and you, you've got this um, pink-headed, strange-looking person on a megaphone wearing clown shoes and a clown nose right in front of the church on a megaphone just spouting all kind of crazy accusations, right? Well, what do you do in cases like that? 
well, you ignore it essentially, right? Yeah. You let them do what they're going to do, you walk in. Well, when that happens on social media, and that's exactly the image I get in my head, uh, so you're welcome for that image. <laughs> um, when people do that on, on, on social media, all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, this is, this is terrible, horrible, yeah. how could these things? Um, but, but again, let, let's, let's examine the fruit of the ministry. Let's examine 53 years of that. Let's talk to people who uh, know these men personally. I mean, we've had opportunities since we've been here to, to be around some of, some of the leaders at Grace Community Church. And you know what strikes me is as some of these accusations has come up, the humility that I've seen from, from, from some of these leaders. And, you know, we just heard it recently uh, from, from, from one. And uh, basically the thing was, well, we, we don't need to respond to some of this. Yeah. It's not true. And, and even an expressed... Um, sorrow, right, right, and and man, do you know what kind of ministry you have to have to have to produce who, leaders who make false accusations and their heart actually goes out yeah. to that person as right. someone who needs truth. That that is an incredible fruit. Yeah, and we did see evidence of that tonight. You're right. We we both saw it from a certain elder who was here. Um, who lamented the fact that uh, this reporter is going to have to stand before God and give an account for every careless word that that was said. And with regards to the report, many of those who are listening, they're aware of it. And all I'll say is this, is that from the report, I already know for a fact that some of the supposed facts that are being mentioned are not facts at all. And and, so, and this has been a trend. This is not a just a new thing. Um, there's been a number of accusations that are brought against either John MacArthur or Grace Community Church that looking at the report, I know are, are not factual. And it's not, it's not wishful thinking on my part. It's not just me thinking the best and turning a blind eye. It's actually things that I know that are actually not factual, that, that are completely off base. Um, so we've seen that, and that's been, unfortunately, the, the pattern. Um, but unfortunately, a, a good journalist is supposed to get both sides of the story. And in this case, it's really just one side without getting the other. And also in this case, it's something that's being dug up from 20 years ago, which has not been a secret. That's not like it's been a, a deep and dark secret uh, of the church. It's been well known by a lot of people, but now it's being dug up again. And I would say, actually, and in many ways, it just goes to show how very little scandal um, that people can find, even yeah. potential scandals, I, I should say. If you got to go back 20 you years. you got to go back 20 years to, to find something that didn't stick then, and, and I don't believe it's going to stick now either. So Yeah, and, and, and you know, I mean, Grace Community Church, John MacArthur is not new to attacks. I mean, it's been happening he's been in ministry a long time right so I mean but to, to move from you know the current absolute and utter ridiculousness this is not much more than just wanting to get famous off of lies um, to move on from from that stuff uh, again just to if guys were to say look who are who are some just real godly men in some cases my goodness just who are real men anymore these days yeah. right i mean with with the juvenilization of the western society with the feminization yeah. of western right. society and and i think it was uh, phil johnson who uh, you know to uh, spoke a little bit about uh, feminization and, and right. biblical manhood yeah. but if you're out there and and you're wondering i mean who who are the real men who we can uh, grow from we can learn from we can imitate 
as as they imitate uh, Christ, right? Yeah. Um, and John MacArthur is going to be on that list. In fact, I would I would point that person to the speakers of, of Shepherds Conference, the yeah. but and uh, the speakers of G three, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of those crossover. Right. Um, it, these are solid men. And again, if you look at their fruit, look at the 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 books that the ministry produces. Look at the seminarians um, a, as a whole, right? I mean, you always have you always have kind of the, the I hate to use that word the, the phrase the black sheep of the family but you always get those guys who go to any seminary and they come out uh, and, and and they they fall out of line with their training so you you know but if you look at the whole um, you know the the master seminary produces men who love God's sheep and who love God yeah. and strive after that um, and and this is decades of of ongoing stuff and of course they spoke a little bit about um, their their concern so much for the care of the church right. that they're putting things in place uh, to make sure that you know when one day the Lord calls John MacArthur home that the work of faithfulness continues that that tells me that John MacArthur is a man who so loves the church yeah. um, like Paul in a lot of ways that he's asking um, what can we do to make sure the church still moves forward strongly when the Lord brings me home. That's good fruit. Yeah. And it, just as a full disclaimer, you're not speaking as someone who graduated from TNS. Yeah, I'm not a graduate. I, I took like one semester online. My education was elsewhere. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not even a graduate. Yeah, I, I did get my MDiv from TMS. I, I've been here. Like I said, I was saved here in 2007. And, and just to share a little bit of a personal testimony there, I was a self-deceived believer back in college, and, and this would have been in the 1992-93. I claimed to be a Christian, but I did not live the life of one. Um, I went into the professional world. I was successful in my field of work, and I still called myself a Christian, but didn't attend church, didn't read the Bible, wasn't in prayer. And not to say that just because someone does that, it makes them a Christian, but certainly a Christian should be doing those things. Uh, but I, I was living according to my own desires, and it wasn't until the Lord humbled me and I actually started to attend some secret sensitive churches first. I didn't even want to come back to Grace Church because I, I, as much as I respected John MacArthur, I also wanted something that was a little bit more contemporary, a little bit more uh, quote unquote friendly. And after doing that for several weeks, I, I realized I was no closer to knowing about God than I was when I started. So I came back to Grace Community Church in 2006 actually. and. Um, sought to become a member. They recommended you take the Fundamentals of the Faith class, and that's another mm-hmm. ministry of Grace Community Church, Fundamentals of the Faith. Yeah. I'm teaching it at my church right now. You've taught through it. Yep. Um, but Fundamentals of the Faith, I went ahead and took that class, and by the grace of God, I was saved through that ministry, just in that class. And and that really happened at the start of uh, 2007. And in 2010, I started the seminary, and, and I really continued. I was on a slow track and graduated at the end of 2016. And, and so I, I've been around here for a while, and I, and I can say that as a seminary graduate, I'm very, very thankful for just the ministry of the church as well as the seminary and just how carefully the men are selected who, who teach and, and train yeah. um, seminary students. But I can also say, to on the flip side, not all seminary students have remained faithful. Yeah. Uh, there yeah. are people that I know directly who I believe are now proclaiming a false gospel. Yeah. And, and it, it breaks my heart to see that, or people who have defaulted or been disqualified or, or yeah. whatever. So those things happen, and that, that's going to happen everywhere. But what you see is this overall driving desire. You know, When people fail, it's not because the seminary didn't do their part to try to train them the right way. There's simply just no guarantee. But there has been that ongoing 
discipline that I see from the seminary and from the church to do things the right way? Have they always made the best decisions? Have they always made the right choices? Well, no, of course not. I mean, everyone makes mistakes. Yeah, Yeah. they're human. Um, But this is as good of an example as I can think of in in terms of just investing in the right things when it comes to ministry. And I am thankful every day that though I'm no longer a part of this church, I I certainly don't serve at the seminary. I've got my own church, but I see the fruits of all that work that's been invested into me and just the way it has prepared me for the things that I do today. Yeah, and and then again, just go back to uh, the fact that, I mean, 88 countries are, are represented right. at the conference. Now, I mean, that might just seem like you're throwing out numbers, but you need to understand, uh, if, especially if you've ever done any traveling, you realize that some of the guys who come here likely make a very painful investment to do so. And I know this to be true for a fact from 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 some guys, right? I mean, you're coming from India, you're coming from Africa, you're coming from different parts of Asia. Um, even guys from the U.S. who make significant investments that are painful, yeah. right, um, um, for themselves, and they do that because they see the value of what's produced from here. And you're exactly right. You, you can't look at any school, any family, any church, uh, you know, any organization, secular or not, and and make a total judgment on that just just based on a few people that come out of it that may or may not stay in line. I, I, again, I think those kind of arguments are, you know, at best they're ignorant. Uh, at worst, they're just disingenuous and fraudulent. Um, but again, we see the faithfulness here um, each and every year. The ministry continues to grow. I mean, it's grown through COVID. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things that, that strikes me is uh, also, just um, you want to talk about brave, courageous men. L- look at what Grace Community Church did during COVID. Um, and, and you know, at the beginning, they closed down for a little while, like almost everyone, perfectly right and justifiable. And you know, as things started to change and morph, and particularly when our government uh, said things like, "Yeah, fifteen thousand people can burn down the city streets," and "Yay, cheer them on," uh, you know, summers of love, and they don't need masks and things like that. But if you meet meet with fifty people, you, you need masks because you're killing everyone. Well, Grace Community Church is one of the first churches, at, at least at least with the platform they have, right? right. Who opened up? I I want to I want to uh, just acknowledge that. There, there, I have heard of tons of churches around, small churches that will never have the platform that were also faithful. But um, you didn't find any that I'm aware of men with the platform like John MacArthur has yeah. who were faithful like he was. And uh, they weren't belligerent about it. Mm-hmm. They weren't um, they weren't jerks about it. They weren't rude about it. They just simply said, "We have a mandate by God, um, and 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 the government doesn't get to supersede that. So we'll obey God rather than man." And you know, in the end, California ended up paying quite a large sum of money right. to the church because. The church was right, yeah. and in the end, that was proven. Uh, you know, by the way, I still haven't seen any uh, uh, apology letters from any of those other guys. Maybe that's a different subject. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> but the point is, um, the faithfulness that we see here 
to God, to His Word, for God's people and for God's glory. I think it's undeniable. Yeah, and when the church opened up, uh, you know, and this is not to at all belittle the smaller churches. I mean, I'm at a smaller church. It's not to belittle the faithfulness of the smaller church who also opened up despite the... Because many did. Yeah, many did. Many did. Um, But Grace Church did it knowing that there would be a big bullseye on their back. Um, So if you're at Grace Church, there's no way you can open up without drawing a whole lot of attention just because of the sheer size of this church. Uh, On on a given Sunday, there's between seven and 8,000 people um, who are in attendance. So you can't do that without drawing a lot of attention. So John knew that. And we heard, and I think it was from the Q&A, Austin Duncan probably mentioned it about John's attitude that he didn't know if this would lead him to jail. But John said, well, if it sends me to jail, then it sends me to jail. And and we were also emboldened by just what we saw James Coates going through um, in Canada. Yeah. But this was John's attitude. And, and John is... He's getting up there in age. I mean, 53 years in ministry, uh, he's been through a lot of years. Uh, He's not physically what he once was. He's still amazing behind the pulpit uh, when he preaches, but he was willing to do that, not knowing what the consequences would be. And something that he said that really stuck to me, um, he he said that it's actually easier for him when he's um, in in a kind of um, symbolic way, when he's locked in a room and there's no way out. Um, so when he's in a situation that's so tough and there's no way out, it's actually easier for him because the only job that he has is to just remain faithful. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that was that, that was so helpful to hear that. It was encouraging to hear that. And really, no matter what the situation is, we're just called to be faithful. But when we're in a situation where we know that there's no way out, then we can remove from our mind any temptation to think that we have some sort of power to uh, to uh, you know fix or change the situation around us, but rather just to trust in God and just just to do what he has called us to do. And that's the encouragement that I get when I see someone like a John MacArthur doing that. And even for my own church, I know that a number of people started to listen to more John MacArthur sermons, as well as other people like um, Alistair Begg or Paul Washer, people like that. And, and that's always encouraging because they see the boldness in the midst of the difficulties of churches remaining shut down. They see that his his theology means something. Yeah. Um, he, he believes in it. He's, he's willing to take a stand for it. And that ended up leading more people to start listening to him, which from my point of view as a pastor, I love to see that because I, I know that when they're listening to John MacArthur, they're getting solid biblical teaching. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, let, let me just, something else that, you know, for me, um, that, that I, we don't talk about it as much when we talk about these men. And I think in our culture, we, we need to talk about men who are bold, who are courageous, who are just, they're going to stand and they're going to stand and they're going to stand um, and uh, they're just going to be faithful. Um, and, and so we talk about their boldness, you know, how, how manly they are. And look, if you are a man, you want to be manly, right? Um, how, how strong they are, how courageous they are. But you know something else that I have really gotten from John MacArthur uh, that, that I work on personally is the need for humility. And that's the other side, right? Um, think about the humility of, of the leaders here, of the men that get produced, um, it, you know. So for the the uh, people, the people who would say, um, "Oh, uh, toxic masculinity," it, yeah. whatever that is, they really just mean manliness. But toxic masculinity. Um, the, these men are some some of the most humble men. 
uh, I've met. I, I'll give you a good a good example. Uh, Vo- Vody Bauckham, and, and, and again, uh, it, plug for the G three workshops. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I had the opportunity to attend one of the uh, the, the G three preaching workshops. If you've never attended that, uh, Tom Buck uh, and, and G three Josh Bice, those things are. I mean, they're just they're amazing. And if you've had, even if you had theological training, uh, you, you should go to those things. But um, so they bring in these guys, Vody Bauckham and uh, you know all these different guys to help teach classes. You break up into small groups, and I'm going somewhere with this. Um, you break them into small groups, and you're digging down into a text. But you're talking about, you, you know, Vody Bauckham, who is quite happy to spend two or three days with just five or six guys. I mean, that in and of itself yeah. demonstrates a humility, right? Yeah. Because he could easily be anywhere else with five, six, giants. seven, ten thousand, right? Yeah. But he'll he'll spend two, three days after he's just come over from Africa, right? Exhausted yeah. with a handful of pastors and pour into them and dig down uh, in into the text. And let me just tell you, those hours with him, um, you, you just you you get to see the man that is uh, behind the pulpit, but but a different side of him, and and the humility and the care and the love. Uh, from from Vody Bauckham was just astounding. Now, why is that all important? Because those are the guys that John MacArthur platforms. Yeah. Those are the guys that John MacArthur has linked arms with and become dear friends yeah. with. Right. Th- those, that's the quality of the fruit of this ministry. When you have men who are by human standards famous in the Christian world, who are willing to come and spend hours and hours with five, six, seven guys, Paul Washer's been known to do this quite frequently. He'll go to little churches, you know, with 10, 20 people and just spend hours and hours. Um, that That's good fruit. So uh, those are the things that we we should look at yeah. when we're when we're looking at and asking the question: Is this ministry on target, or is something you know seriously wrong here? Is the the sky falling down? Well, when you look at John MacArthur and uh, the ministries of Grace Community Church and the seminary; these are the kinds of things you see, and I'm I'm encouraged by that. Uh, there there are. Godly men all over the world being trained uh, because of the faithfulness of John MacArthur, and we realize that that's God's doing, right? That's God's work in him. Right, right. And you mentioned just the lineup of speakers that we have seen just this week, and a lot of them do come out of the Master Seminary. Some don't. Um, we, we saw H.B. Charles last night, um, Vody Bauckham, obviously the night uh, before. Phil Johnson's been up there. Mike Riccardi, um, who, if you don't know who Mike Riccardi is, take uh, download some of his messages. He's uh, he's one of the sharpest theological minds that uh, you will meet. Owen Strand himself said that. Owen Strand would be um, another name. Um, Jeffrey Johnson. Uh, There's a a lot of good and faithful men that maybe they may not have the platform that John MacArthur once had, and it it would be really, really hard to equal that. Um, But they would be good examples of those who are in the public and yet still maintain their their testimony. They maintain their walk. It doesn't mean that you agree on every point of doctrine. So even I said on Twitter that, you know what, John John MacArthur gets a lot more than just the gospel right because someone who was demeaning him said, oh, because John MacArthur gets the gospel right, we're going to give him a pass on all this errant theology and whatnot. Well, no, I disagree with that. Um, John MacArthur gets a lot more than just the gospel right. But first of all, getting the gospel right is huge. Yeah, Um, yeah. And he gets the gospel right. He understands the gospel. There's a lot of people that 
cheapen the gospel or turn gospel implications into um, gospel issues themselves. In fact, you and I, we, we did a podcast on Gabe Hughes' uh, podcast uh, just yesterday. Yeah, I think yeah. that released today, or if not today, it's going to release very soon. But um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go to go to his podcast and, and you'll hear us talk about that. Um, but we, we see a lot of these speakers that were introduced to, uh, Paul Twist being another one. Um, of course, Steve Lawson is always um, a staple out here. Yeah. And so we, we see a lot of Nate Busnitz, um, another one. So we, we look for these men who are um, the conference speakers, but men who are not affected by that kind of that attention and that that fame, but remain true and, yeah. and faithful to the call. And, and our, our, our proven pastors, men who shepherd the flock, as you mentioned, that they're willing to invest all this time just to be sure that there are other men of God, even if they're just small in number, um, to be able to take what they've learned and be able to carry it forward and to be faithful. And, and Vody Bauckham, he's been in the ministry for quite a number of years now. I don't know what the number of years um, are, but um, he foresaw a lot of these issues that we see today with the uh, social justice movement. Yeah, yeah. He, he foresaw that almost yeah. before anyone else did. Yeah. Uh, and he has continued to stand strong. And the gospel presentation he gave on the first night of Shepherds Conference was amazing. Oh, it, yeah. it, it was amazing in its clarity, but and it was also amazing in, in the passion and in just the power that he, he brought to it. And just reminding us all um, how precious the gospel itself is, yeah. how precious and, and pure we need to make sure we keep yeah. it yeah. And, and not muddy it up with a bunch of other things yeah. that are not actually part of the gospel. Yeah, and you know, when we say the gospel, uh, we aren't just meaning what you need to be saved, right? That is no, no, that, no less than that can be the gospel, but the gospel encompasses far more than that, right? Yeah. And, and you were talking about John MacArthur, the comments about, well, just because he gets the gospel, right well I mean he gets the person and work of Jesus Christ right, right. his life his death his ascension uh, you know his resurrection his ascension the power of Christ the ongoing work and ministry of the Holy Spirit yeah. um, it, you know these are significant things and and I think you know, I don't know a single human being who agrees with a hundred percent with anyone yeah. uh, right and and I think it's it it's not um, it's not wisdom to act as the we should right. right because none of us do it's a bit hypocritical right. in fact the question is are the areas of difference um, where are they at in the scope of mm -hmm. things that uh, that matter right um, and and certainly we're not saying that everything in scripture is important but not everything is worth dividing over in right. fact most things aren't worth dividing over yeah. um, and so the question really is where where are the differences in those but but we don't see any major issues yeah. um, you know and some guys are, are dispensational some guys aren't some guys are pre-mill some guys aren't are you know all, all the eschatological positions well and and then you go as far as having to to have different churches um, look at R.C. Sproul the friendship between R.C. Sproul and Dr. MacArthur yeah. I mean you have a Presbyterian right. uh, and and a, a not a Presbyterian right right um, really he's a Baptist but uh, Baptist at heart <laughs> yeah non-denominational but really non, Baptist at heart yeah, yeah yeah and and you, these guys are lifelong friends they shared each other's pulpits um, and and so we, we recognize there can be differences, but man, 
um, John MacArthur gets a lot more than just the gospel right, and there there's 53 years of evidence of that. Uh, and, and here's an interesting uh, comment, uh, just thought, it, you know, in a hundred years from now, uh, we'll all be dead, but um, it, it, at least unless you're, you know, maybe like four listening to this, but anyway, in a hundred years, we'll all be dead, but I'm quite sure that um, certain journalists will be long forgotten, yeah. but John MacArthur won't. Right, right. Yeah, and, and to, to that point, um, John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, different, uh, you know, eschatology, different kind of denominations. And someone commented on that post when I said John MacArthur gets a lot more than the gospel right. Someone said, well, he gets the covenants wrong, he gets es- eschatology wrong. And uh, look, just full disclaimer, and you and I have never talked about this on the podcast, but we don't share the same eschatological positions. Yeah, right. Uh, between yeah. us, I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm pre-mill dispensational. You're yeah, amill, I'm right? Yep. So uh, there's those differences there. But obviously, if you've listened to the podcast long enough, we we've got a great rapport because we see the most crucial aspects yeah. of the gospel uh, the same, yeah. and and a lot more than that um, the same. You know, eschatology I think is the one area it is it's important, but it also requires the greatest humility um, because we have not seen everything yeah. come to, come to an end. We have not seen the return of Jesus Christ and exactly how all that works out. And so while I have my opinions, you have yours yeah. and other people have theirs, you know, I, I think we can still stand upon the yeah. same truths. And even tonight we heard an elder here at Grace Church talk about the fact that, look, Baptists and Presbyterians are fighting each other. And my comment back was, and it shouldn't be. And he said, you're absolutely right. It shouldn't yeah. be the case. Um, even though we have disagreements, we know that um, those are fellow brothers and yeah. sisters. We know that they're Christ. wrong and it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, but absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. We, yeah. We don't want to, we, we certainly don't want to disparage those who we know are in the faith, yeah. who are faithful. We do want to call out false teachers, those who are right. dangerous to the flock, or even those who shouldn't yeah. be in those positions, even if they are possibly yeah. saved. Um, but for, for the ones that were confident um, about their confession, about their understanding of the gospel, we, we certainly don't want to um, disparage them uh, unnecessarily. And so we, we've seen that kind of um, attitude here yeah. as well. But all that to say is that you know, for men who are the most solid, um, there, there's a range that 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 um, that we can fellowship with. Yeah. That we we can have different eschatological positions. You you one can be dispensational, the other one can be a covenant uh, you know covenant theology. Yeah. You know, so we, we can have these different yeah. kind of um, positions and and still stand together yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the faith of the gospel. It's like Philippians one when Paul said, um, you know, talked about some who uh, who share Christ out of greed and envy, wishing to harm. Paul and others do it out of love said well what then well he, he just rejoices in the fact that Christ is proclaimed but when you go to Galatians 1 he pronounces condemnation upon those who bring a different gospel yeah. even if it's an angel or someone from heaven yeah. and, and so yeah. we, we guard the sanctity of the gospel itself um, knowing that a lot of these differences in, in these other positions especially yeah. eschatological don't affect our actual understanding of the gospel itself yeah if you have a, a good uh, biblical understanding our eschatology is, is now okay so there there are some places where it could affect our, how we play out our day-to-day life, yeah. but for the most part, um, none of that would affect our fellowship. I mean, if you look at kind of the broader scope of right. men with large platforms, I, I mean, just for instance, I'm thinking how many people, uh, guys like e- everywhere from James White to Dr. MacArthur to right. Vody Bauckham to Tom Askell will share a same stage, and and there, just in those names, there are a couple different, you know, eschatological views. 
um, and yet they are friends. They fellowship. They and I would say it, you know. So uh, for instance, you know, our church, Homer Reformed Baptist Church, uh, we adhere to the Second London Confession of sixteen uh, what sixteen eighty nine. Yeah, sorry, it's very late, and I haven't had enough coffee. Sixteen eighty nine. I promise we do adhere to it. But I will say this. At the end of the day, uh, while I think that confession is incredibly helpful and useful, obviously we've adopted it, I will say this, um, if someone is unwilling to be obedient to Scripture, that confession will do nothing. Right. Because if you can walk away from Scripture, which is the authority, right? The confession is just meant to help us. Basically, it's it's sort of like, um, in my opinion, kind of what we do on Sunday morning, right? We teach what the Word says. Confessions are very good about taking succinct teachings of Scripture and putting them in short paragraphs. But if someone is, uh, if a church isn't a confessional church, um, but they teach their people to be obedient to the Word of God, Amen, hallelujah, praise God, let's, we're good yeah, to go, right? right? And, and yet I know that some guys might be taken aback by that. Well, I mean, we're a confessional church, but um, again, and we've seen people, you know, if, if you're not going to obey Scripture, you're definitely not going to obey a confession that is not authoritative uh, right. in, in, in the same way as Scripture. So those differences are really and should really be non-issues in terms of our fellowship um, and being able to consider one another brothers and things like that. And I doubt people have ever uh, ever wondered about our few differences. And right. no, uh, none of you listening are going to get a debate between me and Eki on our <laughs> eschatology anytime in the near future. So don't even think about asking. <laughs> um, but, but you're right. And, and so just to bring that back... Um, Just one more kind of pointing to the good fruit. The fact that Dr. MacArthur has platformed and partnered with various men, Vody, for instance, 1689. Right. Right? MacArthur's not. Yeah. And yet, how often does Vody share the platform? Right, right. And Vody's family integrated ministry. Right? Absolutely. Which is, church is not. Right, which is a different uh, you know, philosophy of ministry. And yet, and yet, you will see those men embrace and love one another and work alongside one another and preach alongside one another. That's good fruit. Yeah. And I, and I love that story that uh, Vody Bakken told that John MacArthur, when he saw Vody, went straight to him and said, I am so glad you're not dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Austin said the same thing to John MacArthur. Yeah, 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 he, yeah absolutely. And so, you know, as we kind of wrap this thing up, you know, I would just say um, there will always be attacks on faithful ministry. In fact, we're told in Scripture that all of those who are faithful will experience persecutions. And, and we understand persecution can come in a million different forms, right? And and levels and, and all that sort of thing, uh, intensity levels. Um, and this is a faithful ministry, and it won't be the last time. It's not the first time they've been attacked. It won't be the last time it's attacked. Here's the reality. Um, it, as, as believers, you know, Satan, Satan can't uh, take back your salvation. 
um, but if he can attack and accuse right. the brethren and yeah. use, um, well, to use a common term, useful idiots, uh, to, yeah. to push forward his work, he'll do that. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. And I think uh, one, one thing I've learned from, from one of the elders here tonight is, um, it, you know, rather than being angry, uh, look at those people and, and have pity on them because yeah. at the very least... They, they've become a pawn of Satan attacking the brethren, and, and uh, we, we want them to walk in truth. And in some cases, we, we want them to know the gospel, because in some cases, they don't. Right. Uh, but it won't be the last time. But look at the fruit, um, and, and, and look for yourself. The fruit's all over the place. I, I, don't know, uh, I don't know really any other ministry that's probably quite as prominent yeah. uh, as the ministry here. Mm -hmm. It's all over the world. Yeah. Live streams every Sunday all over the world. Used to be cassettes. That's right. right. That's a little before. Right. That's been a long time since I had cassettes around. But um, you know, live streaming and the teaching and all of that. There are real men here. Real men. Amen. Godly men. Amen. Courageous men. These are men we should imitate as they imitate Christ. Agreed. Uh, agreed completely. And uh, I would say for everyone who is listening, look, we're not going to apologize for our support of John MacArthur and other faithful men as much as the world wants us to compromise on that or to uh, disparage the name or to bring up a lot of um, unsubstantiated uh, allegations against him. Um, I, I stand uh, with John MacArthur. I stand uh, for him. I, I'm his supporter. And, uh, and and I will never say anything disparaging about him just because of the genuineness of his ministry that I've seen. Do I agree with everything that he says? No. And no one agrees with anyone 100%. Um, but certainly in terms of the fruit of his ministry, the faithfulness, the longevity, I can't think of a better man to uh, to lift up as an example to follow, uh, just as Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, that, than I can with John MacArthur. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as we close up, I yeah, I, I would... I would I would agree with all that. I, I'm definitely not going to back down, support MacArthur 100%. Although I do have one big discrepancy with Dr. MacArthur. Um, I really prefer Dr. Pepper over Fresca. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so just again, I, I, as we close, um, if you're looking for, you know, um, weak-willed, feminized men, uh, this is not the place to look. Right. If you want godly men who are courageous, who are looking to Christ and looking to promote the gospel, um, these are the men to, to, to look for. Look for the, the men that come and share the platform, you know, the Vody Bauckhams, the Austin Duncans, the, the whole list. Look at the men at G3. Look at the men at Founders with Tom Askell and, yeah. and Tom Buck and those guys. They, they, look at their teachings. These are guys to, to look up to, to respect, to honor, rightfully, right? Not elevate above where they should be, but to follow as they follow Christ. So any last words? Uh, no, I, I think that, that does it. Well, guys, thank you for listening. It's been fun, uh, Eki, doing this in person. Guys, take all this to heart. Do the research yourself. Look for the fruit yourself. It's plain for all those to see who have eyes to see it and care anything about truth. And until next time, speaking of truth, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.